0: This is a podcast about time, the time it takes to become an artisan, heritage, saving to buy something you'll keep forever, sustainability, memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in, interiors, and the longevity of friendship, to us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend Jill Brown as we chat about what makes vintage so special, Welcome to A Guide to Luxury, Season 2. A Girl's Guide to Leeds. Leeds has been keeping a secret from the rest of us and I'm about to expose it. West Yorkshire's finest isn't their puddings, it's their threads. The home of Marks and Spencer's in the Dalek Building has the most impressive range collectively of top quality vintage in the UK you'll need to buy yourself a bus ticket for I'm taking you to the four corners of the city leaving no vintage stone unturned stop to ask the average person in the street of Leeds why they are dubbed loiners you'll get very different answers. Some think its roots derive from the 8th century name of the district, Leodis. Others believe it's down to the yards and closes around the brigate known as the Lowens or the Loins. Then there's my personal favourite. The term was given to the gossips who would hang around said yards and closes. I, however, have a different definition for Loiners. They stand alone in the style stakes, embracing individuality and celebrating vintage at its highest form. For that reason... I feel it's only fair to prepare you for its pricing. It can be expensive, but once witnessed, you'll understand why. Now, I want to tell you something, Miss Jill Brown, that when I, I, haven't been to Leeds in the longest time, obviously, but when I was there, and particularly when I was researching the book, there was something really romantic about Leeds that I was totally taken aback by it. And when I was wandering around, anytime I went into a vintage shop, or actually, you know, any time that I walked past an arcade, I kept thinking about marriage and weddings. And, oh, my God, wouldn't that be a great wedding dress, even if it wasn't a classic wedding dress? It just, it seemed to be like this, you know, statement, gorgeous dressing at every angle. And so for this episode, we'll get into that in a second, but for this episode, I thought that it only right to invite the queen of wedding dresses who is Miss Savannah Miller from my little black book, so that she could talk about wedding dresses and and you know vintage inspiration for when you're creating your your vintage gowns? Because Leeds, honestly, anytime that I went, that's that's what came across to me. This gorgeous romance. There was a place called The Story of O, which you know was just was just so romantic in its its picking of of outfits. There was just lots of femininity and sequins and soft soft pieces that you you could honestly get married in um but this is probably the best place to tell you that um i might have done something a little stupid recently might have oh, lost i have lost my mind yeah i bought like five vintage wedding dresses off ebay and <laughs> I'm just imagining your poor husband's face I don't know why it just overcame me one day. I, I just I was thinking about patterns and making dresses out of the tartan archive, because um, I've got a ton of material, and I thought, oh, I'll look at the shapes of old vintage wedding dresses. And yeah, I've lost I've lost my mind. Actually, lost my mind because now that they're all here from eBay, I I can't rip them apart to take their patterns. They're t- they're too beautiful. So I'm stuck. I've got like honestly, I've got six vintage wedding dresses. Are you just lounging around the house in them? Uh, occasionally, yeah. It's like that scene in Friends.
1: Oh, I'm so sad about lockdown. I quite like to lounge around the house in wedding dresses with you. You would
0: have so much fun. See, when we can uh, play dress up again, you can take your pick. There's a big meringue from the 80s with little perily bits on it that's just right up your street. You can slink into that. I love it. I love it. Nothing could be quite so different from what Savannah does, though. Oh, God, ex- exactly, not at all. And, and, and you you will know this. I, I got married in a really sort of 1930s-inspired gown um, that my friend made me. But that's exactly Savannah's DNA. You know, her DNA is this gorgeous, bohemian, but proper old-school Hollywood 20s, 30s sirens. You know, the silhouette is just to the body, but impeccably made. And the lines on the dresses are just so romantic, like so romantic. I thought she'd be the best person to talk to about this because Leeds just made me think of romance when I was there. What about you? You've worked in Leeds loads. Do you get my romance from it? Do you know I love Leeds. I really love it. Um, so I've I've
1: been quite a lot. And then I've got a couple of really good friends who live there. And it's just... I suppose there's elements of it that remind me of the Borders, weirdly, because it was it is a textile city. Do you know it's it's full of mills and all of that sort of stuff. But I love how close it is to the countryside and there's independent shopping, really good restaurants. I like it. I like it a lot. I've not vintage shopped there, so I'm I'm keen to do that
0: whenever that's possible it is really honestly it is really really good Uh, but like I said in that intro for the book you you're best getting like whatever the equivalent of a day saver is a day saver is obviously the thing that you can jump on and off a bus with just so that you can you know if you're feeling very very flush and you've city hopped then you can get yourself in a cab but you know what the bus system is so great there I'm sure it still is yeah I would just do that but it means that you, much like Glasgow, when we were talking about the Glasgow episode, that you know the south side and the west end and the east end are all completely different, and that's that's what Leeds is like. But the overriding feeling based around there was definitely that feeling of of just romance and in how the clothes looked, and it's it's but it's cool. It's it's so strange because you wouldn't, you know, you would think that that would be something that you couldn't wear in every day, but actually you could. And who am I? T- who am I kidding? I've been sitting around the house in nineteen seventies uh, wedding dresses. So yeah, you can you can wear it every day.
1: <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can. And I suppose it's it's so tied up with that part of the world is so tied up with literature, isn't it? You know, one of my best days ever. Um, my when I lived in Manchester, my former blackmate was. From just outside, Lee's a place called Pudsey, who Pudsey the Bear is named after. And uh, he took me on this sort of Jill's day out, which involves taking me to where the Bronte sisters are from.
0: Oh,
1: um, nothing says
0: romance better than that. Right,
1: right on the edge of the moors, obviously. Oh. And just absolutely, I'm going to say it wrong. Everybody from Yorkshire is going to be like, that's not how you say it. It's spelled Haworth, but I think you say Haworth. Okay, But obviously not with a Scottish accent with a lovely Yorkshire accent but it's like this beautiful town that's built on a hill it's got Mm -hmm. this big cobble street that you walk up and it's all lovely like art shops and antique shops and then right at the top is the church and then the Bronte Parsonage where where they lived and they grew up and it's just it was like some sort of what's what's the word I'm looking for holy journey for me and it was just incredible I only really wish that Rob was straight, and then I would have just married him right there and then. You're right; you would have just ran off and, and wed. See,
0: so yeah, leads equals love to me. Shall we chat to Savannah? When you are when you're starting something or starting the creative process, how does it work? Is it I'm seeing those little bits of of magazine cutouts? Is that when it starts? Is it a
2: visual picture? Generally, I so I when I was at Saint Martins, I did textile. I did knitwear as my speciality. So. Fabric and texture has always been a really key starting point for me. And imagery also, but it's more, you know, and now anyway, it's significantly more vintage inspired. So I spend a lot of time going to places like Portobello Market in London when I can. And we've got funny little vintage store where I live in, in Stroud called Strangeness and Charm. And she used to do a lot of Clerkenwell Fair. Uh, vintage fair stuff so she's got a really good eye and I just like finding little bits and pieces around the place that that's that they generally start start it off but in an inevitably it's an amalgamation of a multitude of sources mm-hmm. yeah and you for
0: you the thing that I'll gravitate towards is that that cleanness of your designs mm-hmm. you know there's that there's, there's that negligee gorgeousness which is very old Hollywood glamour Exactly. Is it is it hard to get
2: away from that? You know, you know when you become Yeah. Well, it's become it. very oversaturated now, unfortunately. And we when we started doing what we were doing, it was it was not, you know, 4 or 5 years ago it was not. We were one of a handful of people doing this. And now it's everywhere, and unfortunately, yes, it's difficult to retain your kind of authenticity when it's being I mean, it's we are getting knocked off an awful lot now, mm. which is t- tough, but it's the nature of the game, I guess, and and yeah, I like you say, it's retaining that simplicity and that brand DNA and brand identity, whilst trying to kind of not reinvent yourself, but add an extra layer that can contain something new that creates interest that nobody else has kind of thought of. But I mean, thankfully, because I did train a, a fashion designer at fashion design school, and I was worked at Alexander McQueen and stuff. I've I've got training that a lot of people who come into bridal don't have so I look for inspiration in a way that they may not necessarily do so often we'll nowadays we do those classic silhouettes but we'll add funny kooky things that you would not necessarily think to be bridal or particularly commercial even recently we did a dress called Indra and she's got this giant plissé detachable kind of sleeve thing that comes off the side of her that's mad (laughs) But it's been a best selling dress because everyone's like, what is that? It looks so new and fresh. And it was, but it was born out of me finding a crazy piece of police fabric in the factory and just bunching it in there and seeing what it did. You know, it's all about play for me and finding out, you know, how fabric responds and how you can manipulate it to make it interesting. I I can't get away from the simplicity thing, Lynn, simply because it is inherent to what I do. And I want women to feel like the best version of themselves on their wedding day and just like a polished version of who they are and I also want their wedding photos to feel timeless so I'm not going to start buttoning them up into really uncomfortable things because it just goes against what I'm about and equally you know I'm not gonna start over complicating the design process because I don't want people to look at their wedding photographs in 20 years time and be like crikey it was definitely the 80s when I got married do you know what I mean yeah, that's
0: you, you just hit the nail on the head. If any decade screams a decade, it's that one, isn't it? <laughs> Particularly in wedding dresses.
2: Particularly in wedding
0: dresses. <laughs> they're just they're, I, I have a, a bit of a confession. Jill already knows this. I don't know why I did this. You will appreciate it. I think I've reached peak lockdown, but for the last two weeks, I've bought um, six wedding dresses on eBay. I, exactly and you're looking at me like why have you done that I thought that maybe I would, so I've got um, a ton of tartan in the tartan library and I haven't done anything with it for the last year because we've been in lockdown and I was meant to go and have a play with my girlfriend who makes dresses with the material and I was thinking I don't even know where to begin so I was looking at crazy dresses and like crazy older dresses i like wait, till, mm-hmm. you, you're going to laugh wait till you see the state of these, brilliant Oh.
2: Look at wow wow that's gorgeous (laughs) that would be incredible in tartan lynn oh wouldn't it it would be so good so yeah there's that's
0: exactly why i got it and it was 20 quid how does this happen so it's huge it's an an 18 inside that neckline there's a little kind of fake pearl can you see
2: oh it's pretty and it sits
0: on the so it kind of does a wee sweetheart neckline yeah, it's got a strap on it, but I don't think that you're meant to put the strap on because it looks like it's um, internal to the dress. So I think that that's meant to get attached somehow so that your right. your shoulder stays oh, yeah. out and yeah. kind of you know makes you skinny looking. And but it, it looks incredible. I put it on. I thought, look, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll get it because of its volume and all that kind of stuff and see what it would look right. like in tartan. It would look like amazing in tartan. Um, but now I can't cut them up. No, so I'm stuck. I've got six dresses, I and I'm like them. this n- because I I feel I don't want to make them into patterns. Now I'm stuck with vintage wedding dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: so,
1: It's not that, it's just what she tends to run these things by me and then what happens is Jamie, her husband, thinks it's my fault. And and that's the the sort of every time a message comes in, I get this little rising sense of panic because I think she's going to ask my opinion on something
0: and if I like (laughs) it, it's going to become my fault. But I I have to ask, does that madness spill through to you? Do you go off and find something and then all of a sudden boxes of things arrive?
2: Yeah, I recently got back into eBay actually. I didn't used to. I've done an awful lot more online. In lockdown but I have to say that I have felt really stifled by it because we would normally scurry about you know we inevitably go to angels the costume hire place in London because they have literally the most enormous warehouses full of fashion and it's dated according to the decade so you've got the 20s the 30s the 40s the 50s all the way through the century and it's incredible. Last time I went there, they were doing Downton Abbey and they had all on racks and nobody knew they were making Downton the film at this time. So it was really exciting. So I do feel a bit dried up at the moment because I'm just kind of like... "Mm." You know, where do I get my inspiration? It's all about the rummaging and the finding for me and going to these places and talking to the dealers. And I have an amazing vintage dealer in London called Lucinda, who dresses Kate Moss and all of these girls with those fantastic vintage pieces that you see them wearing. And she, we've worked with her since I met her when I was working at Alexander McQueen. She's literally, I've worked with her my entire professional life, the last 20 years basically. And she just has an amazing eye for special things. Mm. That, that for me, is what makes vintage so exciting. Is It's bringing old techniques. Someone's Obviously, in those days, they were much more interactive with the making. They were much more hands-on. They were hand-sewing. They were hand. They were cutting patterns, yes. to the bodies. They were tweaking things here and there with hand-sewing. Whereas now, it's all just churned out through a factory. There's much less human connection with the finished garment. So I'm inspired by vintage because you go back. Often, I'll turn things inside out. I will actually get something. Look at this. Yes, amazing jacket. She's she's off. Yes, I love the, the skeleton of a a piece. It's mm. a Victorian little jacket, <gasps> but this is the lining. Oh it's, my it's, god! I know it's a. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. Like, I make that in denim with. Look at that. Look at that. Incredible. I know. How did they do that? So so when I went to see Lucinda, this was hanging on the hanging on the rail you know in its very victorian buttoned up kind of that's quite boring isn't it it's just a little black
0: but still beautiful
2: yeah so this is what's inspiring for me is to turn stuff inside out and see how has this been made you know where have they why have they cut that like that why have they added that bit in like that and inevitably it's because somebody was too fat or somebody was too thin so they had to put in a little piece of fabric here and there and you know it all just gets a bit more it's much more interacted with than clothing these days um so, yeah, it really excites me. But, yeah, haven't recently had a good old rummage anywhere. And I suppose, you'll both correct me if I'm wrong,
1: the wedding dress is probably the last bastion of that. It is a really big purchase. It's probably the biggest purchase a woman will make nowadays. So they maybe will spend that little bit
2: more and have it tailored to fit them. And Definitely, definitely. I mean, again, the lockdown has done crazy things to people because I think in the first one, everyone was like, oh, I'll just wait my wedding and I'll just bump it down the road and now people are like it's been a year I want to start my family I I, need, I want to get married you know and so I think people are getting a little bit less inclined to spend as much as they might have because the the traditional picture of what a wedding was it has been slightly shelved I mean it's just like it's a free-for-all right now yeah. and the rules being rewritten slightly although I just think inevitably everybody wants to bring all their family and friends together on that day and have a celebration and that inevitably that will come back it just might take some time but you're right people definitely spend way more on this experience than they would on a normal dress and there's still that childhood fantasy element in it it's really funny you see these really cool girls like often in new york i see these girls who are really hip and they look amazing and i'm like talking to them about what they want to wear on their wedding day and they're like well you know the, the sweetheart Nick the, the big girl. I said, what how is that vision still in your head it's extraordinary and why are you <clears> here <throat> yeah, that's not <laughs> Although inevitably they come round, but I think it, there's a lot to be said for, you know, that customised, you know, they do have it tailored. They do spend a lot more money. They do kind of they really want it to be special in a way that you don't in your daily life anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think that's lovely. That tradition, whilst things have changed and hopefully that will come back, that that, that tradition, that moment is still is still there it's, yeah. You know, when we were shocked, I'm not married, but when my sister-in-law got married, it was really interesting because she really definitely wanted a wedding dress. Whereas I, w- everything I pulled out to show her was very much like a gown, was like a, you know, quite a fine silhouette.
0: And mm-hmm. she was like, no, Jill, I want a big dress. I want a big dress. I'm doing this once. That changes, you know, because you're right. Yeah. I think that w- when, when you get married, I had a really clear idea of what I wanted to look like. And I think I'd always had that vision before I had the partner like that you you, you said that that's nuts
2: I've never thought about that before there's no partner but you think about your wedding dress I know people who have wedding dress Pinterest boards and they don't even have a boyfriend they've planned the whole thing they've literally (laughs) got table setting the dress the bridesmaids outfits the it's a bit it's a bit mad but now in the day of internet well what do you you know what are you going to do Pinterest is a, a wonderful resource. People see images and they're like, ooh, that could be my wedding one day. Yeah. I can understand so, that. Though, because what if you find
1: that perfect image? Like, that is what I've been imagining since I was eight. And well, what if I lose it? I know, but we have to
2: kind of ask ourselves what young girls are being fed. Yes. Incidentally, in this day on international women's day why are (laughs) children thinking about this fantasy when my prince will come really alarming isn't it and even my daughter and i think i'm a feminist you know i think i'm a staunch feminist and i'm showing my girls that women can be independent and everything else and actually she drew her wedding dress yesterday weirdly and it was the little you know tiny little waist and the humongous skirt and it's just like No! So 10 years ago when William and Kate got married, so
1: a really good friend of mine had children quite young, so she was maybe two and a half, and I went round the day after in the Guardian, had a big spread on the dress and what she wore and everything, so we were sitting on the floor looking at it, and she crawled into my lap and she was like, will you be a wedding lady, Jill? Because she obviously didn't know what a bride was. Wedding lady? A wedding lady, and I was like, well, I I don't know. She was like, oh. She looked at the, the thing and she looked up to me and she went, that's sad (gasps) at the time what would I have been like 26 I was like it's not really sad you know even at two she had been conditioned that that was
0: the goal it's sad that Bill hadn't managed it 26 all Walt Disney's fault we actually have to find out who the the designer was on the Walt Disney films for every single gown that was ever created yeah yeah. their (laughs) fault (laughs) (laughs) so in the design process because I'm really into this, I'm, I always get very excited about the inception of something. And over the years, you obviously have have gravitated towards that sort of 20s, 30s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you have in your archive that you will never get rid of that that stay there? Or are you someone that likes to clear out and get rid of it once it's gone? Once we've
2: done a massive... like We work on pieces for a long time. So I've had a lot of vintage for quite a long time and I recently did do... A big clear out and send it back to my dealer actually and offer her you know to do a swap because Mm -hmm. I've got everything I can get out of those pieces there are the odd there's the odd piece that I'll keep and there's the odd piece that I can actually wear that I will use in my life but generally I don't know what's I think it's because my house isn't enormous I don't have huge amounts of storage in my studio and I really like and value having clear space and not too much stuff around and um so yeah, I, I haven't got like a, a, a crazy archive. I know I'll probably look back and be like, I wish I'd hung on to those things. But you just ultimately, you've got to deal with the right here and right now, and day to day. It's just not practical for me to kind of hang on to it all, unfortunately.
0: But I suppose that's the the process for, in, in a designer uh, that they do that, don't they? It's it's a kind of modern thing where we talk about archives now, and archives were. Archives are collectors, and not everybody is a collector. You know, you're you're not a collector; you're a designer. I remember talking. Oh, this would have been ten years ago. I can't remember her name. This is terrible. She was the designer and founder of Bus Stop. You know who the the oh, Bus stop wow. was? I know. I can't remember her name. She was amazing. So I, I did an interview with her. It was it must have been a decade ago for the for the paper. And I asked her about it. You know, I was like, "So you must have this incredible archive." And she was like, "Absolutely not. I don't." And and in fact, she was like, "I even looking at those dresses, they they completely turned me off because of the sixties. So I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm only interested in moving forward and designing forward, and and it it, it completely threw me, you know, because I was like, "Oh, oh, okay," but wow. I, I know, right? I, I was, I was so she she doesn't have any of her old pieces. Oh,
2: God, what I wish for her, her archive. I love Bus Stop.
0: Bus Stop is incredible, isn't it? It's really incredible. Yeah. It's the, the lesser-known sister to Biba. You know, everybody yeah. thinks about Biba, but Bus Stop was this. Yeah, God, she was amazing. She
2: go back in time and live in that
0: era. Yes,
2: me too. So incredible.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So right now we are stuck, and you can't go and rummage. But when you can go and rummage... Is it London or do you like to jump on a plane? Do you like to get
2: to Milan really, or? I mean, I'd love to jump on a plane, but I have three kids, and the reality is traveling is challenging. Already in my normal life, I'm in China twice a year for a good 10 day period. And then I'm in New York every six weeks. So it doesn't really happen that traveling. Generally, it is London. But obviously, because of the lockdown, we've all been forced to kind of find new ways to do things. And I have forged a lot of relationships online with vintage dealers, bought stuff online, had it sent to me. It's not as... You don't get the same thrill because a lot of it for me is rummaging and being like, oh, look, I found this piece of treasure in a heap of rubbish. Um, You know, and that's really special. And it, it is also... It's about the amalgamation, isn't it? So often if I do a big vintage shopping day and I find various different things, I'll mash them all together in a component from this waistline. And, you know, then I like this hem and then I'll put that little bit of sleeve detail on it. And, you know, it's the fusion that makes it interesting. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting back into you. Searching for things, and I, I do look at photographs as well, you know, old archives like Galliano back in the 90s. Yes. Amazing draping, he was really, really inspired by 30s Hollywood as well in those days, and so. There's a lot of kind of simplistic and kind of beautiful bias cutting and interesting draping that I look at as well. and Which is so
0: hard. I don't think people really understand how difficult it is to cut material on the bias. It's, it's a no. really tricky thing to do. Tell someone how, how, how you do it. Like, you know, what's the, the, it's basically against the grain of the material, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah so if you were to look at fabric on a loom you've got threads running in the warp and the weft so one's running vertically and one's running horizontally and that's all the way through the fabric if you're cutting on the bias essentially you're turning the entire thing 45 degrees so you're laying the the pattern on the side so that you you what happens is the fabric then hangs really beautifully and you get the best out of it and it holds the body really beautifully but Obviously, cutting on the bias is totally unforgivable. You know, it shows every single lump and bump on the physical body. And some women aren't really comfortable with that. So my latest thing in the last kind of two years I've been working on is to try and recreate these silhouettes, not cutting on the bias, and by putting a bit of structure inside the dresses. So there's a bit of corsetry in there now, but it's very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot more stretch fabrics being used so that... I can still get those beautiful clean silhouettes and those lovely drapes, but it's more forgiving and it you know, we go we go up to a size twenty from a size four. And it's really important to me that the brand is inclusive and that everyone feels amazing in those dresses and can achieve that look without feeling uncomfortable or self conscious. No, you're right actually. You can if you
0: if you are clever with what you're doing inside, you can make that outside look it's it's just about the, the design aspect of it. Can we just go to New York now and I'll go vintage shopping? Wouldn't that be nice? Like leave oh, the kids, jump on a flight. But go. I'm going to take you all the way back to your early days of um, knitwear. So how do you jump from knitwear to bridal?
2: Well, when, bizarrely, when I was doing knitwear at, at Central Saint Martins, it was always on these massive industrial machines called dubiers. And now I was knitting 14 gauge fine silk. So I was basically knitting lace. It wasn't it didn't look like knitwear when we think of knitwear, we think of a chunky jumper. It was super fine, gossamer thin lace and you know, pointel holes, and I would do this thing called racking so that it just created, I was basically making lace and carrying stitches across and it was really, really pretty. And then I um I did a lot of work with strips of this. I'd knitted silk strips and then I'd kind of sewn them all together. So they didn't it just didn't look like traditional. It was very delicate. And I I fell into bridal actually accidentally. Obviously, being at McQueen after college was really inspiring on a couture level because I was working with him on the shows. I started as just a student intern, but then his PA walked out and I was such a kiss-ass that they were like, you can be the new PA at 22. retrospect, I'm like how did I do that and carry on doing my degree at the same time that's amazing I found myself you know access all areas at the shows I went everywhere he went I was his eyes and ears so I was constantly having to kind of run and go and grab this person and that person and you know very much his you know I was his PA so I wasn't that creatively involved but I witnessed everything he did and he was obviously a genius he would literally sometimes he'd call me at six o'clock in the morning go can we go into the studio and we'd go in and he would shut himself away in the design studio and everyone would arrive for work at nine and we would leave and they would walk into the studio and he would have done all this draping on the stand and have just left it there for the pattern cutters to interpret it was incredible so my kind of love of the the fabulous was really inspired there and I and I had my wedding bizarrely, my sister was dating Jude Law at the time, so there were paparazzi at my wedding up trees, unbeknownst to us. They'd she'd had some security guy come and sweep the area. I didn't know any of this was going on, by the way. And and some guy had got in a camo suit and gone up a tree and photographed the whole wedding from the sky. So we had these amazing aerials. Oh, that's actually, I was disgusted, but no, what a gift. I know. So that was on the front cover of Hello Magazine Obs. And then um, some woman from New York contacted me and said, she's called um, Molly Guy, and she was the first kind of bohemian bridal boutique in New York. She just said that we've got to collaborate, people aren't doing weddings like this and they need to be doing them and I got married in 2005 so you know it was a long time ago it was way before Pinterest existed and we just happened to have a wedding outside and have flowers in our hair and have banqueting tables and teepees because that's the kind of stuff we liked I was 26 years old you know straight out of a festival basically yeah so she she kind of got in touch and we just sort of hatch, hatching plans about 6 years ago and then yeah the rest is history i didn't really ever intend to to it went really well you see the collaboration and so she said I, I said to her after a year you know i think i'm going to go it alone because this is going really well for me and i think it you know it's worth me giving it a shot and that, and it just sort of took off from there really that one and
0: I'm, one niceness don't you with a with a client and you get to see it all the way through to the the finished today, essentially and it's and that's very different from churning out four collections a year and you know getting sucked into that cycle that that ugliness that fashion has, has turned into which I think will slow down I, I completely get why you've blossomed into this and having seen yeah you do this over years that that totally makes sense
2: yeah exactly Lynn seeing somebody on their wedding day in something that you've designed beaming up at the person they love it's just so gratifying it's miraculous it's like honestly I, I I'd never anticipated that part when I started doing it, I just thought, oh, pretty dresses. This is fun, isn't it? <laughs> Never really thought how it was going to make me feel. And it's just, as a, as a lover and somebody who's hopelessly romantic, it, it could not be a more magical gig, to be honest. I love it. The capes that
0: you put over those gowns, they just, oh. Jill, have you ever seen them? So Jill has a habit of going online when, when we're in the middle of, of podcasting. So when we podcast later, you can go online, look at banners um, mm-hmm. Just these beautiful yeah, they're just gorgeous and they they don't even need to be for a wedding dress. They could be for anything, couldn't they?
2: Yeah, well, the idea behind those was to just give people that, because obviously what we do isn't that traditional and people, when they have that vision in their head of the wedding dress, it's, there is tulle involved. There is kind of frou-frou and that sheer ethereal, whimsical kind of thing, texture needs to be there. So we started to make these capes as a way for a contemporary bride to feel like, she felt a bit more bridal but and also it's interchangeable so on one of our dresses it's completely backless high neck silk dress called Kate and it has tulle sleeves that have a slit in them so she looks like she's sort of got these gossamer wings on for the ceremony and then they kind of snap out there on poppers so they can come away for your party so you just look like you're in a fabulous slip dress so yeah I mean it's 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 fun. It's magical.
0: It is gorgeous. That the, the when I when I got married to Jamie, when when was it Th- three coming up for three years now, I really wanted um, a giant veil, like a like a giant veil. But you have no idea how heavy those things are. And my my, my girlfriend, God love her, she did this as a gift for me. So she she makes dresses. She hand sewed this incredible lace that we'd found all the way around this like nine foot. Na- I know, Ooh. right? Good friend, good friend. It, but it, you've just hit the nail on the head. Mm. I had no idea and I didn't want a tiara. I just wanted it to be on my head on a, a comb so that it would just sit there looking like like a statue almost. And I didn't get it. And she was like, this is this is not going to work. This is not going to work. It'll work. It'll work. I am walking in like that. But, it, you know, it, it did my moment. Ta-da! but it was it was really it was really difficult to do but I suppose when you're in those processes you understand that these are I've never done this you know i would never done that before I've never shoved a whole ton of of gorgeous lace and nine foot's worth of tool over my head in oh, my life wow. I
2: bet it was beautiful
0: it was great but it was really difficult to maneuver and thank I couldn't when you when I when you folded it back it wouldn't stay on you know so there's like strategic pictures of like oh just Oh cuz it's so heavy like being yanked back. But yeah, the, the the couple of images that I got were worth it. <laughs> and they're timeless. You
1: wouldn't know. It was, there's no 80s puff sleeves there.